Hi, this is Doug Cassidy, president at Concord Strategic Partner Group, and you are listening to the SAS Holes. Welcome to SAS Holes, the podcast, a show dedicated to issues with software as a service industry. Jamie, Jason, or myself, Jason and Pete, talk about our rounding up 100 years of experience of making mistakes in the software as a service industry, SAS. Jason, unfortunately, is not able to make a uh, Make it to the podcast today. Uh, thanks for the job. short notice. He's got a job and he's, it sounds like he's traveling again to San Antonio and whatever and got flight delays. I can't believe he's interviewing already. Yeah. Um, today we're, spe- uh, we're joined with a special guest, Doug Cassidy, a former, uh, a, not a former, a uh, Notre Dame alumni. We both went through the program together. Um, if you know, uh, Pete, go ahead, use your joke. You know, I, I would have never known know, if you guys, you, you guys, you guys went to Notre Dame. How, would I how do you know that I've somebody that. went to Notre Dame? They tell you, yeah, right? Yeah. Doug is the president at um, SBG, Concord SBG, and we're going to talk to him about a, a variety of things, including um, moving from the corporate world into the entrepreneurial world and, and, and the leap of faith that you need to do to have that. But before we get into this podcast, we have an ad. This episode was brought to you by NeuroNoodle. Hey, athletes, get a doodle of your noodle today. I know um, the high school season has picked up and almost ended because high school is over, but summer programs are starting up. Go get a doodle of your noodle today, a brain map, before you uh, start the summer session. So in case you get that unfortunate concussion, you have something that you can uh, look to and say, this is what my son or daughter's brain was before that injury and uh you're not guessing at when the concussion is gone or i got hit with that lacrosse stick or hit them with the the, lacrosse melon yeah which by the way uh we were uh doug we were at lake forest and and doug is a lake forest uh high school alumni and lives in the area and his kids go to lake forest and pete is a lake forest guy you should listen to his lake forest podcast he was at the game and uh, he heckled the Lake Forest coach, and she started giving us the uh, hairy eyeball. She did what, not. What, did not we, heckle. I don't think we have a female coach. We we, we needed a female uh, girls lacrosse coach. I'm talking uh, girls oh, lacrosse because right. that's where my daughter plays. Well, I think they were up sixteen son, to nothing, and he was like, "Get it to 20. No, <laughs> it was not. It was tied at halftime. Lake Forest had you guys on the ropes. Yeah. No, away. they just lost. They they did better this time. They they lost to us at home ten to nothing. My, uh, I think they got two shots on goal. My they my held us actually, My son did get a concussion in that game, by the way. So I like. Oh, to, you're talking about oh, the boys. Oh, the boys. Yeah, sorry. Okay, I, my, I'm talking my, uh, girls. No, 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 no. I'm I'm talking about men's lacrosse. That was a closer game. Yeah, yeah. It was tied at halftime, and and we just uh, Loyola pulled away for a little bit in the third, and. We closed it, but uh, it'll be competitive. We'll hopefully see you in the state championship. Yeah. Go scouts. Go scouts. Scouts. The girls, it's not close. Yeah, no, I know. You, yeah, I heard about that. Actually, Michael was at that game, too. Was he? Yeah, just the other night. Yep. Oh, at uh, Lake Forest? At Loyola. At Loyola? He was at that yep. game? Yeah. Oh, because he was playing. No, he just went to go watch, support the team, support the oh. scouts. Maybe he's got a love interest over there. Yeah, he might. They it was ten to nothing. They played. They played uh, really much more, um, much stronger that game. And Loyola stunk up 
as well. They dropped so many passes. I was like, this is just awful. But anyway, lacrosse fans out there. Yeah. Back to the commercial. Go to visit neuronoodle.com yeah, and get yeah, 50% off of the Sassel sent you. My son um, got a bell run at Loyola. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm kind of bummed. Farrar is not here. I know. He's your last was... track. Well, that and he also, you know, he, he, he clues us in on the, uh, the deaths of the week. Did you hear about that freak accident yesterday? That photographer that was killed when a huge lump of cheddar cheese fell on his head? Uh, no. Well, to be fair, the people who were photographing him did try to warn him. Leave us some comments on our blog at sassholes.net. Yeah, like us before these jokes. Shout outs. Theodore Kim, talent manager at Cameo. We're just loading up the Cameo people. Yeah, we got to get on Cameo. I, I know you're circling the wagons. I believe we have a big I, enough following to get on Cameo. For $99, we'll do anything you guys want. And talk about anything you want. I got a minimum of five hundred, and 500. we're just we're not we're not going to break it. Adriana, I got a shout out. Hold on, Daniel Edison uh, just started at uh, Pathformance. Formance. Um, he was at Kerbalda for a while, and at Spins, and now he's at Pathformance. So give him a shout Interesting. out. Interesting. Adriana Silver, Director of Operations at Tagus or Tag Us. Or Tajus. Uh, she started off the street in sales and worked her way up as a director. Not bad. Got, I, got another, I got another shout out. Arnie okay. Rivera, uh, a buddy of mine from the neighborhood, lives about a block away from me. Uh, he just left CPS, Chicago Public Schools, and is now their chief admin and equity officer at Navy Pier. So I want to give Arnie a shout out. We're going to get we're going to catch up over a couple uh, drinks here in the next couple of weeks. That's interesting. Your neighborhood. No wonder uh, tag us. A lot of tagging us uh, going on in your neighborhood there, Ernie, yeah. mm-hmm. in the garage doors. All right, the new news. What do we got? The jobs. More people are having to work, huh? Well, yeah, masks are off. They got to get the economy back in shape since they just spent trillions of dollars on nothing. All right. Don't let that uh, sway Great you in any way. Yeah. Great commentary. Hot show. Hot show. All right. All right, Jamie. So, how do you how do you and Doug know each other? What's so Doug and I know each other. Uh, Doug, you would say how how long have we known each other? Twenty plus years. Twenty five years almost. Twenty five years. So it's odd. So I started dating my wife in ninety six, and then her friend from college you were dating and then you and Heather went to Lake Forest high school together and we're classmates together. So it was a sort of a small world. I don't know. When did you start dating Sarah? 96, 97? Yeah. Right there. Right. Same time. So then uh, we lived in the same neighborhood and, and uh, on all of that, he's a white Sox fan, which means he knows baseball. Um, And then we, and then when uh, I flipped from university of Chicago to Notre Dame, Doug was in the class as well. So then we, uh, we, we were in the same class together uh, for the uh, EMBA program. When I, is this when before I, or after Marquette? After Marquette. Marquette oh, okay. is my undergrad, and Doug okay. played football at Denison. So his undergrad is Denison. Okay. And so then we've known each other. We get together at Ravinia um, until the uh, pandemic hit, and we don't go out anywhere. But yeah. uh, I will give you advice. When you go to Ravinia – do not go 
to a um, orchestra uh, event because you're not allowed to talk and you will get bummed out of your mind. You can't talk at all. So you just end up drinking and doing charades. And we experienced that together uh, with our wives. Um, We thought it would be better. because I've been there once and you can't throw a Nerf around. I did not know that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's not it's not a tailgate party, Pete. Now, Jamie, don't forget we uh, we coached uh, near West together. Oh yeah, we also coached near West Little League together. So yeah, I'm coaching my son's baseball team. They had a loss last night, but we coached. I, I did it for about eight years on the um, on the West Side near the United Center. The movie Hardball was based on it. And Doug, uh, I believe Ugh. you. How were you doing? One I think it was just one year because Sarah got pregnant, and then yeah. things changed, and I didn't do that anymore. Yeah, I'm that is uh, quite an endeavor. Um, yeah, one year was good. I loved it. That was good. <laughs> well, the, well, one of the uh, one of the guys uh, who was with me for all West eight side. years. His name is now Jackknife, and if you want, you can Google him in the papers. He's uh, in for his. Got a brother outside. named Mac. He's in for his her. His name was Napoleon Bonaparte Sharkey, and he's been in the papers for his third homicide. He could have gotten a minor his third league homicide, contract. yeah, for life now. He could have gotten a minor league contract. Uh, kid was throwing like 83, 84 mile an hour fastballs at thirteen, and he wanted to play ba- uh, basketball. And his mom wanted him to play basketball. Look what that did. I feel bad for him. He was a good kid. Was. All right, so I thought the topic today we would talk about is, and we could go anywhere you want with this, Doug, but Doug was in the corporate world. He was at U.S. Foods for how long? Oh, about six years. Six years, and uh, and before that you were at other jobs. But well, I was at McKesson, yeah. McKesson, and then at one point you said, hey, I'm going to start, I'm going to branch out on my own. And I thought we would take a little bit of time for any of those people that are out there that are thinking about starting your own business. Doug's a great example of somebody who had a family who was successful in the corporate world um, and took that plunge. Uh, I believe Sarah, your wife was not working at the time, right? Is that right? Yeah, so part-time. Yeah, part-time. She, yeah. So it wasn't, it wasn't yeah. like you had um, an economic parachute where your wife could prop you up. You had to just dive right in to whatever you were doing. So I thought we would reflect on that. So thinking about that, Doug, how, how would you uh, talk about that decision, go through that decision? And uh, what are the things you wish you knew now, or you wish you knew then that you knew now? Okay. You bet. Um, yeah, I was uh, 38 years old when I, took the plunge. I had a yeah, pretty, pretty well-to-do established corporate career going. Um, thought I was going to go down that path for a while, if not my whole career. Uh, but little by little, just certain things started to frustrate me. Um, I really respected the, the big companies I worked for, all the resources and, and everything they had. But, um, you know, you truly were in a, a certain sandbox with certain oversight and limitations. And, you know, we, you and I went to grad school together. I went to grad school to get, you know, a broader exposure to a lot of aspects of the business. I just wasn't getting naturally in, in the corporate world. I had a liberal arts education, so I didn't take a, have a business degree in undergrad. So, um, you know, I, I really wanted to go explore business on my own terms. And obviously that's a high risk thing. Uh, you can have an idea 
and try to execute that idea, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to pay the bills and, and um, you know, support your family. But, you know, I, I prepared for this uh, as best I could to take the plunge. I kind of had to do it. My, 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 my heart took me there. Um, I left the corporate world. I couldn't try to do both. I just, just consciously, I, could, I couldn't, you know, not be all in with the corporate environment. I don't know if I could have, frankly, um, but I just thought it was the right thing to do to blow the bridge out behind me and, and try something new. And um, I had some partners. We had an idea. It didn't work. Uh, version one of it didn't work. I'm on like version eight right now, but you keep iterating and building into it. And that's what I wanted to do. And I wanted to go learn about other industries, other businesses, um, and and be an entrepreneur. And uh, I didn't really know what that meant because I was just always, you know, raised in the corporate structure. And again, I always re respected it. But I, I just, I, I always saw other business owners, other entrepreneurs, and uh, that was just really intriguing to me in a lot of ways. And mm -hmm. as, as time moved on, I said, I'm going to do this. I I felt a, a new sense of confidence and, and, and vision after finishing my MBA. And um, instead of taking that forward deeper into the corporate world, I said, let's branch out and I want to be my own boss. And, and my, my children were young at the time. We had a newborn baby and, and uh, what, six and five-year-old, I think it was at the time. So we, I had time um, to, to build into it. Um, and, uh, you know, just, I don't know how, how it worked out because it didn't, it wasn't successful right out of the gates. I did make a lot of mistakes. And, and uh, in terms of things I would do differently, we can, we can talk further about it. I think it's the, 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 the lens of the entrepreneur and, and the, yeah. those colored glasses that you have and, and how everything looks good when, when, you know, probably it isn't there, but you know, you're, you're seeing through walls and you're going to run through those walls. So if you, if you were thinking about jumping ship right now, let's say you were 38 again, you were thinking about jumping ship and you were in that same situation. What one thing do you reflect on and say, if I did this, this would have, uh, I, I wish I knew this. I wish benefits or I wish, you know, something like that. Like, it, was there one thing that sort of caught you by surprise when the immediate yeah. uh, plunge occurred? You know what I would say is, is uh, so I started a business model in an industry I didn't really have a lot of experience in. My partners did. And it was taking a, a model that I was very familiar with and applying it to a new industry where it didn't exist or was underdeveloped. And so as we qualified interest in that new industry from uh, multiple aspects of the, of the model, whether it's the buyers and sellers. Um, I, think, I think when you talk to people, especially if it's relatively casual, and you've got a new business idea, they're going to tell you, hey, you know what? That's a great idea. That sounds good. And it's just because people are nice. You know, they're, they're not sitting there, you know, as your coach and your mentor, and, and they're going to be hard on you and dead honest with you. Um, they're just nice people. And you hear what you want to hear. And I think the, the aspects of this business model, it was something new that had never been tried before. And, and I think you have to consider that it's not like I just came up with some brilliant idea out of left field. There maybe was a reason that it's never been tried before in this industry, yeah. but we still gave it a shot. We did, we did actually make progress developing it. We just didn't have enough time to get there. But I think, I think, you know, if I could listen differently early on, uh, sense better, 
the, the things that people are telling you, uh, where they're really coming from, and how how uh, candid and sincere they're being versus just you know trying to be nice to you. Was I trying to be nice to you? Because I know you went over it with me no. a couple times. I remember you when you and I had a beer, and I could yeah at Chief O'Neill's. Yep. Yep. I was trying to be like, hey, let's take a look at it with not the rose-colored glasses. So what are some of the so you so it sounds like you've gone through eight iterations, right? Or no. yeah, I, I know the that's sarcastic, not but yeah. the sarcasm. Right. But you've you you've pivoted a ton. So I think that's an interesting concept. I think uh, a lot of our listeners probably need to think about what what you're starting with more likely is not what you're going to end with. And I would say your journey is still not ended. You're probably going to pivot another 10 times, right? I mean, yeah, who knows? Absolutely. So absolutely. trying to educate our listeners and just so you know, our listeners are around 26 to 34, right? So they're probably in that area where they're sort of thinking, Hey, it's time for me to, to jump ship and do my own thing. When can I do my own thing? What 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 time in your career do you, do you think thirty eight was smart or do you think it should have been younger? Um, just out of curiosity. Yeah, I actually think it was it was it was right for me. Um, okay. Younger, I would not have been ready for that. I don't think, and and a lot of it was just uh, business maturity, experience, um, and you know, for me personally, it was just the time that my my you know. Uh, my heart told me, okay, you've got to do this. I mean, I just, it wasn't a choice. It just happened. I had to go forward. Um, if I had waited longer, I, you know, for sure, that could have been, uh, uh, you know, more practical because I could have built into, you know, different uh, things more smartly. But, but the other thing though, honestly, is, is the first version of what didn't work actually built the foundation for the other things that did work, if that makes sense. And so if I had that pride, the first version uh, those other things probably wouldn't happen. So if I was too conservative and waited until everything was perfect, then, you know, may have, have really happened. And so um, you kind of got to just put your stake in the ground, prepare the best you can and have a support system around you that's going to be, you know, there to, to, to be tolerant, patient with it. I, I tortured my wife with this, still do. And I appreciate her for that. And, uh, and you got to, like I said earlier, blow the bridge up behind you, go forward, learn and try and, and take it from there. So in terms of to answer your question, what age for me, 38 worked out because I had time. Yeah. Um, you know, I got my first tuition check I'm writing this year. So that was, that was nine years ago. I did this and uh, I'm ready for it now, but I, you know, I didn't have to worry about tuition nine years ago. So, you know, for me, that was, that was a good time to, to give it a go. Yeah. I mean, so that, that's another thing, like, you know, when you're taking that plunge, depending on where you're at with your family, you know, it's hard to take a plunge when you have tuition checks to pay, right? Yeah, it's hard to take a plunge when you have costs to pay. So how, how would you advise someone? That's why I think some people, a lot of these entrepreneurs are usually, you know, younger and, and less mature. And that's why a lot of small businesses fail, but it's right. also because they don't have any of the, um, they don't have any of the expenses and overhead that need to be paid because you're now leading a family. Like, and, and Doug, you're probably aware, like, I think uh, since I've gone to school with you, everyone's probably been wondering, when am I going to do my own thing? I probably need to branch out and do my own thing. Well, it's difficult when you have a family to make right. those decisions because you're it's not just you putting you at risk. It's you putting the whole family at risk. 
right. from a financial standpoint. So yeah, what would you give key. advice there? Well, you know, um, you know, I prepared for it. You know, we had we had some some money to live off of, and and we got some help from some family to to, to get it started, and then um, raise some money. Um, you know, you're not gonna. It's 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 gonna be hard to get somebody to um, fund you right out of the gates because then you go through the whole valuation exercise. Okay, I'm a yeah. startup. Here's this amazing potential. I remember that time we had a beer, Jamie. I pulled out a spreadsheet and you like pushed away. So I don't even want to look at that. You know, your projections are nothing, right? At this point, especially for pre pre startup. Um, you know, you said pro forma. Yeah, pro forma. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anything you've got here, you gotta you gotta double it and 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 you know double, you know cut, cut it in half financially and double it. Was I that brutal? I thought you I was. No, you were dead wrong, man. You know, double was was easy. I mean, it was like triple, quadruple plus in terms of. I didn't know I was that brutal to you and uh, Chief O'Neill's when we went over it. Yeah, no, I've never forgiven you for it, but you know it's okay. I joined today, I, but anyway, I uh, I I just think that um, you know the the whole funding piece. I had never really raised money before, right? Again, I worked in the corporate environment, so I was always you know um, doing different things, and and um, so to to value your business and find the right investor to to agree to a valuation and a projection. And what that amount's going to be, and then what you're held to, um, it's it's you can get through that. You can sell yourself through it, but then it's the difference is that when you wake up in the middle of the night staring at the ceiling, like oh my gosh, what the heck am I doing? You're you're on someone else's dime now, whether yeah. it's family or another investor. You're it's not your money, and that's a really stressful thing, uh, especially when things are not going as quickly as you'd hope. Um, you know, progress is progress. You feel good about certain wins, little, little or small ones, but it's progress. But then you step back and realize, oh my gosh, this is nowhere near the projections that I sold to my investor. And so then you have updates with that investor and say, okay, I know it's not what we talked about yet. So you got to have the right partners and the right people around you to support this. Because if you go into a new business venture and and it's and it's uh, a little more stagnant in terms of the, the the funding and resources around you. It's going to be a tougher road, a more stressful road. And you want an entrepreneur that's um, relatively centered and comfortable. If you've got a panicked entrepreneur, bad decisions are going to be made too quickly, and things are going to go in the wrong direction. So I think it's really critical to surround yourself by the right partners and, and support system. And you gotta you gotta listen to the music, right? I mean, if you're not hitting your numbers, don't sugarcoat it to the investor that just gave right. you the money. Yep. You yep. know, get ready to hear hear the yelling and screaming and stand up to it because I think that investor will will invest more in you if you're if you present the facts and not well, from that. Hundred percent, and I think that's a skill that I've developed here over the years, where especially now that you know the business is more established and developed. Um, I just have very crystal clear, honest conversations with people. And if it ain't there, it ain't there. Uh, people really appreciate that. When you're trying to sell a vision um, early on, when it's when it's starting from scratch, you, you have a little more spin to things. And, and it's not ill-intended. It's just where your heart is. You believe it. But, you know, the perception on the other side is that, uh, you know, this guy's full of it or he's not seeing this right. And then you lose that credibility. Uh, so yes, I, you're right, Jamie. I've learned how to be very, very candid as I've gone forward here because that, that's going to be the best dividends for you long term. 
where would you start? So you're starting out. Would you start by, I mean, do banks give out money? Credit no. cards, maximize your credit cards. So, you, you know, you want to minimize the, the stress you might put on your family, right? Like your family members and your, your family and friends. Would you say to a young entrepreneur, max out your credit cards first? Or how would you go about? <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously it depends on what your cost structure is. If you're single, living in an apartment, and uh, you don't have a lot of people you're taking care of. Yeah, maybe you can grow into some debt, but but what's your credit uh, anyway to, to begin with? You know, the, when I when I started this business and it was in 2012, banks weren't lending money money to yeah. startups, right? Um, mm-hmm. You're not going to get an American Express business loan off of your credit card account because you have no foundation of anything. Um, just because you work for a corporation and your resume is good doesn't mean the banks are going to invest in your your business, and so um, it's hard. Uh, I, I think you need, if you don't have, you know, the cushion yourself, if you don't have friends and family to support you starting from scratch from, uh, uh formal resources and institutional is almost impossible depending on the market. And at the time that market wasn't favorable to that. And I don't think it would be today either. Obviously. Yeah. So it's hard. <laughs> it's really hard to get started. Starting a business is like eating glass and staring in the abyss. Does that ring a bell? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Pete's yeah. been dealing with that since uh, what a year and a half. Well, I started a business right before uh, a healthcare business uh, right before COVID. It's very, very interesting. It's about risk, right? You know, whatever that right age is, you got kids, don't have kids. You got any money? Is it your money, somebody else's money? If you're going to take that money from somebody else, they better understand that, hey, you know what? You may not ever get this back again. Yeah, right. I, I don't, right. I don't right. think people understand that. Yeah, and people are, you know, people are investing in your business idea uh, to a degree, but at the end of the day, they're investing in you personally at that stage, and that's a big deal, and that comes with a lot of um, responsibility. Um, and, and so, yeah, you've got to you got to be candid with people and and and, and appreciative, uh, stay in contact. It's easy to kind of fade away sometimes, right? If you're a fit startup, it's it's not going, and and you got people around you that. Uh, you know, support you. It's easy to kind of fade away. You don't want to do that because that conversation is even harder later on. Um, people are going to leave you alone. If, if, you know, the momentum's not there. Um, but that's going to come full circle sometimes. So it's really important to stay engaged with your with your partners. If you're taking somebody else's money, what what are the the terms? Not your sp- particular terms, yeah. but somebody wants to start. You know, what do you, what do you go out there and say? Hey, here's ten percent of the business for blank. Yeah. How do you get other people's money? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, if 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 someone's really serious about it from a business um, investment standpoint, and they see a potentially good business model opportunity, um, they're going to want a, a real chunk of your business. You're going to have to be willing to to give up a percentage of of, of the business that's going to hurt. It's not going to, you know look like what you think it's, it would have been for you as the owner. You know, you can be the, the majority owner, owner of a business and only have 30%, right? So, um, and, you know, what I did was I created different classes of shares. So I had some investors that were kind of partners in the industry that we, we were starting in and, and they really liked the idea. And and we, we let them invest in the business, but we, we did B shares, okay? So those came with different, uh, rules and structure and prioritization versus 
What about convertible debt? Can you hear me? So, so like, okay. did you ever? Yeah, do no, convertible I did not debt? convertible debt. I assessed a convertible debt with some partners. I never did it, but it's hundred uh, percent an option um, for you to consider. Um, I can't really give you the, the pros and cons on it. So, again, I so to like to get to educate people on convertible debt. Convertible debt is a way to give the potential of equity. Um, but you're really, you're really getting debt and you're financing it through, that's typically through friends and family, I think. But when there is another round, that convertible debt gets ratified and they can, you can convert that into equity and they can get the payout for right. it. Um, I believe you can change who gets the choice, right? It's um, debt and typically it's debt. And if you, the owner, want to convert it to equity, you can. Or if you just want to pay off the debt, you can. Right. You okay. usually do it at the second round of financing. Um, yep. But sometimes I believe the conversion is uh, sometimes the uh, people that are giving you the debt and are expecting debt repayments can choose to convert that to equity. Yeah. Uh, as you well. know, for me, I, I made a decision that I wanted the people investing in the business to be owners in the business and, and not do a loan structure because again that was an option that we, we talked about to some people and I you know and I have no problem with that. I just didn't want that because I, I was partnering with people that was were also going to give me access to potential customer channels and, and you know these are strategic partners um, that are going to own part of Concord. And so um, I, I wanted them to to see the the, the future and the horizon uh, and be part of that with me. So mm-hmm. I, I I elected uh, equity. So in a way, on Shark Tank, Mr. Wonderful, he always gives out debt, right? For the most part, with some equity. He doesn't have a convertible debt. He always does. I get this and I get that. But the way to really think about it is to change what he says. He goes, I'll give you half a million dollars at 10% interest. Uh, Once I get paid in full, I then can convert it to 3% equity uh, in your business. Or he gets a royalty. That, That sort of convertible debt where he just forgets the conversion and just says, I get both, <laughs> you know, yeah, that's sort right. of why he's Mr. Wonderful. What else would you give any new entrepreneurs advice on? Um, um, you know, I think the, the reality of your customer acquisition strategy is really important. Um, you're going to come up with a business idea. You're going to have two sides, at least, if not multiple sides of the business model, that are going to contribute to the, to, to a success in, in operation. But I think the, the getting customers to yes, and then, and then actually converting that to real revenue that goes into your bank account. Yeah. <laughs> do not underestimate the time that that is going to take. Okay. Cause again, I come back, people are going to say, Hey, you know, that's a great idea. Absolutely. I'd be interested in that. Right. And you get all excited. And then they don't return your phone calls after that meeting. And then you peck away. And maybe they circle back at some point, right? And you, and you bring them back. And it just, it takes forever. My it's a priority for you, not a priority for them. Exactly. You know, you hear what you want to hear. So it's similar to what I said before. But I think it's, you know, when I started the business, the, the big mistake I made, okay, I'll, I'll, you know, another point here is I, cre- I created something from scratch where I, I need to create the supplier side. I need to create the buyer side. So I had a chicken and egg scenario from scratch. Big mistake. I think if you're going to start a business, you got to make sure that you either have the chicken or the egg already uh, under your, your, your umbrella somehow. So you are really solving for, for developing into one side, not both. 
at least not from scratch, right? So you have a product, go sell it to customers, or you have customers that need something and you take them into, you know, that, that product or service. So um, I, I really, I really started from scratch and uh, that's what I would do differently. It's just make sure it's more developed um, sooner before you, you unplug and, and make this commitment. Um, again, I, I don't know how that would have looked different for me if I had not uh, quit when I quit, but, but as I look back, I really started it pretty, you know, committed to it really early in the model. And I could have yeah. accelerated my revenue if I had one of those sites a little more developed uh, before I did. Hey, hindsight is always 2020. Yeah. Right? I'm not beating myself up over it, but yeah. it's, it's what I learned. Yeah. What you learned. All right. Anything else we want to go over? I think this has been good for uh, our audience. Pete, you got anything else to add besides Lake Forest? Uh, Doug, you should listen to the Lake Forest podcast. Um, Pete gets a we bunch should, of... We should bring you on, get you some leads, the high rollers in Lake Forest. Yeah. I know Lake well, Bluff, so, you know, is no shortage. Well, okay. So one more lesson learned, I will note it, is, is at, over time, be really careful trying to do business with your your, your neighbors and your community. Um, <laughs> I haven't had any bad experiences, but you know what? I love Lake Bluff. It's, uh, it's one of the best places ever to live. I don't think I'm ever going to leave it. And I like the people in my community to be my my friends in the community. I don't I don't want uh, you know, my customers uh, in the park. Don't poop where you don't poop where you eat. Yeah, you know I and I and I was <laughs> I went after that pretty good uh, early on. Now I, I really stay away from it because it's uh, you want to yeah. have your community. Is that why you moved then? <laughs> no, I would move to be, be uh, scouts. We were going to be Wildcats yeah. in Libertyville. <laughs> oh, you were going to be Libertyville? I thought you were going to be. Um... What's that big school up there as well? The, uh, Stevenson. Stevenson. No, yeah, yeah, it's right next door. No, no, we, we moved for. Oh, your ta- your taxes went way up. Yeah, they did. I got a much smaller house for a lot more money and more taxes, but uh, it's worth the premium living in Lake Bluff. I'll tell you that. That's uh, my opinion. Amen. Amen. Yeah. All right. With that, Pete, you want to finish us off? I, I, I my phone went dead. Oh, really? See, that's why you print things out, Carney. It's called I don't print, dude. It's called Electronic Age. Yeah, I see that. Thanks for listening to the Sassholes on behalf of Jason, Jamie, and myself. Jason, wherever you are, we thank you for listening and ask you to give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Smash the like button on Facebook. Hey, Doug Cassidy, thanks for coming on the show today. Go Irish, guys. Go Irish. Go Irish. Go go Marquette. Go Marquette like Denison. It. What's Denison's um, uh, mascot? Big Red. The Big Red. The Big Red. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Wow. My my son's uh, old school, St. Ed's, was the Big Red. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, where you, uh, a lot of child exports go there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> well, I will edit that out. Smash the like button on Facebook, Instagram, follow us on Twitter. Cue the copyright music.
Youngster, but 